sets men free today. Good to see you this Sunday morning. Grab your hymn books now. Stand to your feet. Brother Ken's going to come lead us. We're glad to see you. Brother Ken, let's sing together this morning. Amen. Let's all stand together in your red songbook this morning. Hymn number 150. Page 150, the dearest friend I ever had. We'll try to get all three verses in there this morning. Enjoy yourself while you sing. Think about what you're singing this morning. Continue to uh, lift up Chelsea. She is a very, very sick young girl, so pray for Chelsea if you would. And as we mentioned uh, this week, pray for Morgan. Morgan, raise your hand, honey. She came in this morning. There you are. 
Uh, she had gallbladder surgery this week and is here with us today, but continue to pray for Morgan uh, as she recuperates. Remember our services today? We didn't come here out of road or routine. We came here to hear from heaven. Amen? Brother Carl, open us up in prayer if you would, please. Let's go to the Lord. Brother Carl. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you back to your house this morning. God, we thank you for the Sunday school. God, for the lesson that was taught on procrastination. God, we just ask one here this morning, God, that's lost. Pray that they don't procrastinate this morning and put it off. God, we pray that if the Holy Ghost deals with them this morning, God, that they'll accept you before it's everlasting too late. God, we don't have that opportunity and that promise of tomorrow, God, but we pray that if there's one here that doesn't just accept you today, that they can go out a different person than what they came in. Yeah. God, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to come into a church that wants to worship you, God, a church that has the the desire to come in and, and worship, not just come in, as the preacher just said, and come in for tradition, but God, a church that wants to do something for you. And God, I thank you that we have a church that has a desire to do something for others, God. For the Thankful for the ones that brought in for the disaster relief, God. Just thank you for that, for the opportunity to be able to do something. God, we were fortunate enough not to be struck by the hurricanes, but God, there are so many that are suffering and in need now. God, we just pray that you'd... Fulfill the needs that are there. And God, we just ask that you'd be in this service today. God, just ask that we could put the things aside that, that are trying to weigh us down. But God, just ask that you let us take and just worship you this morning, God. And just ask you that whatever's said or done be done for your honor and for your glory. God, just bless and have your will and way in the service today. In Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Last Sunday night, I pulled out an old, old song. Uh, some 40, 50 years old now. The words to it are absolutely beautiful. It's a reminder to us that for God's people, God always takes care of us. You listen now as the choir sings, Every Need Supplied. I hope it will bless your heart.
righteousness is filthy rags, my goodness is unclean. There's only one thing I can say to what you said to me. It's under the Shackled by sin and 
Amen. Aren't you glad it's under the blood this morning? Amen. We're glad you're here on this Sunday morning. I want to give you several announcements uh, before, our, before our little ones go out. First of all, you don't want to miss the services tonight. We will be hosting the Roger Henson family here in our services this evening. Amen. Love these folks, good friends of ours for many, many years. As always, this would normally be the week that we kick off our tent meeting. Of course, we're not able to do that this year, but the Roger Henson family will be with us tonight, and we're so honored to have them tonight, some of our dearest friends. We've supported them for many, many years, and Brother Roger uh, has uh, been on a long road of recovery uh, with a replaced leg. He's glad to be out and about just a little bit, so you come out this evening, support the ladies as they'll be singing. I know you'll have a great time tonight at 6 o'clock. Then a reminder that, uh, uh, as we mentioned last week, uh, the baptism that will follow the morning service on September the 24th, that is just a couple of weeks from today, if you have been born again but you've never followed the Lord and Believer's baptism, we'll be having our baptism service on September the 24th. Uh, if you need to be baptized, I've got all those instructions just to let you know what to do and where to go following the morning service. You see me that day, if you will, or today. And then also, on that day, September the 24th, we will be doing a special offering that we will be taking up uh, to help purchase supplies for Brother Eddie Gunner. Brother Eddie is going down to uh, Texas, working out of a church down there uh, in a couple of weeks, and uh, this money that we are going to collect will help purchase supplies that will help those flood victims down there in Texas. So uh, everything that you give that day on September the 24th will, of course, be tax deductible. You can make your checks out to the church, but every penny that goes in will go specifically to help purchase supplies, building supplies, and the like to help rebuild some homes and some lives. I was sharing in my Sunday school class this morning, a statistic that I want to share with everybody. My wife had put this out on her social media account. I don't know how many of you were able to see it, but a report came out on Friday, and I think it speaks volumes uh, to the faithfulness of God's people. There's been tons and tons and tons of support that's flowed down to Florida and Texas, and thank God for that, but 80% of the support that has come in, both financially and monetarily, physically with people, and then also with building supplies, 80% of the stuff that's come in has come from organizations and churches of faith. I think that speaks volumes to what God's people do. So I appreciate your generosity. And while I'm there, I want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to everyone who helped in our disaster relief water uh, uh, collection that we did. Uh, if you've seen today's morning paper, you perhaps saw the article that was there. Uh, ben Williams was out and did an interview with our folks. And a few pictures are there. Our goal was to collect 500 cases, and we were able to send down 1,600 cases of water. Amen. So praise the Lord for your generosity. We are very grateful for your willingness to help us in that, and uh, we're going to continue to collect. I've asked a couple of the organizations to let us know what they need next, whether it be diapers or formula or canned foods, whatever it is, we're going to continue to collect to help be a blessing, putting feet to our faith. And I believe that when we show God's love to these folks, they'll understand we mean business when we say we love them. So you help us out in that capacity if you would. Also a reminder, we mentioned last week that we are feeding uh, a Cornerstone Bible College uh, and uh, seminary students on Monday nights. Uh, they have relocated into the teen room for that to, instead of downstairs into the 
uh, daycare center. They'll be in the teen room. We've had most of the dates have been signed up on Monday nights, but I got three or four more left out there. So if there's anybody that can help us in that regard, I'd sure appreciate if you signed up uh, for one Monday night this week. You are feeding a total of 11 people. Uh, you don't have to do a whole lot for that, but just give them a little something they can do. Around 7 o'clock, the food needs to be in the uh, teen room. By 7 o'clock, and again, I encourage you to use those disposable containers so that you don't have to worry about getting anything back. Again, please sign up in the teen area right over there to my left, your right. Also, uh, you will find over there in the back as well, we've got some sign-up sheets, or rather some order forms, I should say, for our Operation Christmas Child Fundraiser. Uh, the shirt itself will have an inlay of John 3.16 overlaid with that is I'm a whosoever. That's on the back. On the front of it will be our church logo. Uh, the cost for that is $15 per shirt, but most of that money goes to send a shoebox anywhere over the anywhere in the world for Operation Christmas Child. So every shirt that you buy will send a shoebox somewhere across the world during our Operation Christmas Child. So get you an order form. Uh, all the family members can put everything on one form. Turn that in to Mary Margaret or to Pam Holland by October the 1st. And again, uh, that will be used to help support our Operation Christmas Child program. There are in the teen room, this is not in your bulletin, but I need to mention this. There are in the teen room uh, some shelves, tables, wood boards as you leave. Uh, also some bags from Women's Mountain Retreat, some extra things. Those are first come, first serve. Uh, they are on the teen room as you go out. Now don't take the tables that are set up in the teen room. But any of the stuff that's as you go out the door, there's some wood board, press board shelves there uh, that we took down out of the closet we don't need. First come, first serve on that. You can't go during the preaching to get it either. But uh, as you leave today, you're welcome to pick those up. Ladies, there's some women's mountain retreat bags there as well. Don't forget the baby shower for Aubrey Ratliff, parents Wesley and Summer, 1 o'clock in the teen room. Uh, that information is there. That's on Saturday, October the 7th. Also, if you haven't signed up and you are willing to help us in this year's Christmas production, uh, please sign up in right over here in the postal area. There's two clipboards, one for cast, one for crew, and then right after the service this morning, a very quick five-minute meeting Pam needs to meet with everybody that wants to participate in the teen room will be just a couple of minutes to get things started, let you know how we're going to proceed with that. And then finally, as we do every two years, we will be hosting or we will be taking part in a first aid CPR certification, also with the AED, the defibrillator, uh, done by the American Red Cross Association. That will be at the Axton Rescue Squad, 9 o'clock a.m. on September 30th. Listen carefully. If you work with children, if you work with children in any capacity, if you teach Sunday school, if you teach in the children's program, if you teach in child care downstairs, you know that already, but any capacity and you are not certified, I want you to pray, pray, pray hard about that, and if your schedule allows Please go get certified. That's one of the ways we save a little bit on insurance, quite frankly, when we demonstrate the number of folks that work with our kids that are certified first aid CPR. And I think every mom and daddy in the building wants their teachers to be certified first aid CPR. So you help us out with that. This sign-up, I'm going to put it right now over in the postal area. Put your name on there. If you've got any questions, see Sister Gloria Smith about that. On September the 23rd, the rescheduled hike. It was rained out a few weeks ago. What time are you leaving, Brother Danny? 
8 a.m. on Saturday, September the 23rd, leaving at 8 a.m. Everything still applies. Need to bring all the stuff that we mentioned last time, and you all will have a good time on that. Notice I said you, not we. Amen. All right. Everybody that's heading out to Children's Church, Junior Church, you come on this morning. Make your way down. Everybody heading to Children's Church. Time for the penny march. Come on, put a smile on your face. Let's go collect. Come on, guys. Children's Church makes my heart leap to see all those kids. Amen. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you as always for your gifts to our children. Uh, of course, this is going now since we're in September to support our upcoming Ladies Jubilee that we do every year. We sure appreciate your generosity. I want to pause a moment and say thank you to the choir who were able to come out on Tuesday night down there to sing at Burlington. Had a great, great time. I always get blown away. I truly do. When we have something like that, be it the choir, be it our Saturday or Friday collection. In fact, one of the churches that dropped off supplies here Friday night, dropped off water, commented to myself, Ken, and a few others. 
others about how many people we had here helping, and I am very, very grateful for everyone helping us out with that. Your Lord will bless you for that. Amen? All right, fellas, come on and make your way down now. Ladies, you all come get ready to sing for us. Set those mics up there for those, if you would, buddy. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. God will bless you for that. And again, thank you, as always, for your generosity. For those of you who may be visiting with us, uh, we also have the opportunity for you to donate online. Instructions are always in your bulletin as to how to download that app and do that electronically. We're going to pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering. Lord, bless the day. Bless the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless our singers now in Christ's name. Amen. Debbie does it says there's going to be a land with no misunderstanding. Can you just imagine how great that's going to be. Amen. And then Debbie's verse, uh, Amy's verse will be uh, when we see the face of Jesus. Yeah. That's another blessing. So Amen. Listen to the words. This is just what heaven means to us. A country where no twilight shadows deepen. Unended day where night will never be. A city where no storm can ever gather. Oh, this is just what heaven means to me. place where there is no misunderstanding and from all enmity and strife we're free And when they crown him, Lord, 
just what heaven means to me.
right. Thank you so much, folks. Thank you so much, as always. Mark chapter number five in your Bibles this morning. Mark chapter number five in your Bibles this morning. We will finish out this entire chapter this morning. Two weeks ago, we looked at taming the tombstone terrorist, that man who was possessed with a multitude of demons. Last week, we looked at just one touch on that woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years, had a one-touch encounter with Jesus Christ. This morning, we want to look at the final story that's found in Mark 5, the story that talks about a father's faith, a father's faith. Our story centers around a man that we meet in verse number 21 and 22. Then, of course, there is a divine interruption. The narrative picks up in verse 35. I will tell you that I think of all the people in the Bible, this is, the man's, this is a man whose name is butchered by more people. I've heard him called Jarius. In fact, for many years, that's what I called him was Jarius. I've heard him called Jairus. I've called him Jairus. I've heard him called Jairus. I've heard him called everything but Jesus. For the sake of the message this morning, I'm going to go back to my years as a third grade teacher. When two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking. And so you've got A and I together. That means it's a long A. So we're going to call him Jairus, which is, I think, the correct pronunciation. Really doesn't matter because his name is not what's important. Let's begin our narrative this morning in chapter number five, beginning in verse number 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side. Again, you were with us last week. Passing over from the other side means he's coming back from Gadara over back across the lake and the sea and the river Jordan. When he passed over again by under the other side, much people gathered unto him and he was nigh unto the sea. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And of course, if you were with us last week, you know that there is a continuation of the dialogue. It says in verse 23, besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. Jesus went with him. Much people followed him and thronged him. Jesus, Jairus make their way to the home of Jairus. There is a divine interruption. There is a pause, if you will, as a woman who'd been sick with an issue of blood for 12 years, makes her way out into the multitude, seeking but one thing, to touch the clothing of this one she'd heard so much about. Verses 
25 all the way down to verse 34 speak of that divine interruption and how Jesus paused on his way to the home of Jairus to masterfully and divinely heal this woman sick with the issue of blood. When this woman has been healed, Jesus turns and asks for an explanation. There engages a dialogue between this woman and Christ. Uh, We don't know how long this pause was, but we do know that during the length of this pause, uh, what was a challenging situation, a daughter nigh unto death, becomes a tragic situation. Pick up our narrative now in verse number 35. While he yet spake, in other words, he's talking to the woman that's just been healed. While he yet spake, there come from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troubleth thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Wow. I have to tell you, if I am that man, I am terrified. Immediately, Jesus says, Be not afraid. Only believe. He suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, brother of James. He cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult, them that wept and wailed greatly. When he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed him, scorn. When he had put them all out, taketh the father, the mother of the damsel, them that were with him. Those are Peter, James, and John. So you've got Jesus, three of his disciples, mama and daddy, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. Took damsel by the hand, said unto her, Letha, whom I, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years. I have read this story, this section, and this passage 4,000 times or more. Struck me in preparing for this that this girl was born right about the same time the woman with the issue of blood got sick. Fascinating when you think about that a woman had been sick for 12 years during the time in which this young girl had been alive. Both of their lives were changed in the very same hour. Damsels arose, walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. They were astonished with a great astonishment. He charged them straightly. No man should know it. Just so we'll know that Jesus was Baptist, 
commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We're so glad to be in your house. We're honored to be in your presence today. We surely don't take for granted church whose doors are open, congregation who've come to hear from heaven, and people who are longing to feel the presence of God during our worship hour today. Lord, we've read your word for which we are eminently and eternally grateful. Lord, we have the outline that we believe you've laid upon our heart, but all of it will be vain if you don't empower us to preach it today. So, Lord, I hope you'll, I'm pleading with you, God, to help us put aside our heart's distractions from the weak, worldly distractions, and focus for the next few moments upon this passage of powerful Scripture. Lord, I pray that you would impart upon me power to preach what I believe you've laid upon our hearts Forgive me of any sin that may hinder my delivery, and most of all, God, I pray the salvation of the one who is nearest hell today. Lord, when we walk out of here, I pray that you would strengthen every one of us to be just a little bit closer to you for the week ahead. Lord, we love you. We are eternally and eminently grateful that you first loved us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Husband and wife, a Saturday morning, had a particularly difficult day. Snapping with each other, things had not gone well. They decided to get out of the house for just a little while and drive around through the country. Because of anger and frustration, neither was speaking to the other. As they drove down a country highway, they came to a little barnyard. The husband looked over and saw a congregation, or a gathering rather, of pigs and mules. The husband looked over at his wife looked at the mules and the pigs, looked at his wife and said, relatives of yours? Without missing a beat, the wife responded, absolutely, they're my in-laws. Amen. <laughs> Don't get any idea, baby. <clears throat> there are three powerful stories that unfold in Mark chapter 5. If I had to give a title to the series that we've done, I would call it He's Still Passing By. Because in each one of these three stories, the tombstone terrorist, the woman with the issue of blood, now the daughter of Jairus, we see circumstances where there is no hope. We see situations where on the one hand, you've got the man who's possessed with a multitude of demons where nobody could control him until Jesus passed by. In the second situation, you see a woman who had been stricken with an issue of blood for 12 years. She tried every medicine, every doctor, and just got worse and worse and worse, and nobody had any help for her until Jesus passed by. And then in this third situation, greatest tragedy of all unfolds. The story of a father whose heart is breaking and beating in his chest uh, over the imminent death of his precious daughter. Uh, and seemingly, uh, when word comes that she has departed, uh, there is no hope, no help, and no restoration until Jesus passes by. That day, death showed up at the home of Jairus. Death uh, was knocking on the doorstep and it did not come for daddy it didn't come for mama it came for this precious 12 year old girl 
I don't need to tell a single parent in the room today that daddy's heart is broken and in the midst of this tragedy, he seeks out the only one who's got an answer, Jesus Christ. You're going to see today, I hope you'll see in your own life, the very discovery that Jairus makes is simply this. He discovers that Jesus is more than enough in our times of tragedy. I wish I could stand here and tell you you won't have those times of tragedy, but if you've been in church and you've been saved long enough, you know that's just not the case. You understand that the Christian life is not an easy one. You recognize the fact uh, that there are mountains to climb, valleys to forge, uh, trials to overcome, storms to weather, uh, but I submit to you in every mountain, every valley, and every storm, uh, when Jesus is all that you've got, you will discover that Jesus is all that you need. There are three things that I want us to look at in this story this morning. Number one, I want you to note with me the dialogue. The dialogue. This story actually begins as soon as Jesus comes across from Gadara, even as he's coming across in the boat, the moment that he steps out of the boat, he is immediately thronged by people, but there comes somebody who's just a little bit different, someone who's just a little bit unusual. I want you to note with me the accomplishments of this man. Verse 22 describes for us, who he was, for it says in verse 22 uh, that there behold one that cometh of the rulers of the synagogue. There cometh one, it says, of the rulers of the synagogue. I think you will understand that the woman with the issue of blood was someone that we know nothing about. We don't know her heritage. We don't know her lineage. We don't know her occupation. When you look at the man of Gadara, the maniac of Gadara, we know very little about him. We don't know his family. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything else about him. But when it comes to this story, there's a lot that we do know. Please understand, what I'm about to say, I mean it with complete reverence, this was a man of great prominence. Jairus was someone of great power, of great prestige. A ruler of the synagogue meant that he was someone of privilege. He was someone of prosperity. Everybody knew who he was. When he came walking through, no doubt the community parted to let him come through. He was a man who had it all, but at this moment of time, none of that mattered. Power didn't matter. His prestige didn't matter. His prominence didn't matter. The fact that he spoke and people listened didn't matter. Why? Because the most precious possession that he had was slipping away from him. The most precious possession that he had, not his money. The most precious possession that he had, not his power. The most precious possession that he had, not his prestige. The most precious possession that he had, his precious little 12-year-old daughter was lying in a bed sick. And I have no doubt, reading between the lines, that he too had tried every doctor, that he too had tried every medicine, that he too had tried everything he knew to do, but she just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So Jairus does the unthinkable. Jairus does the unimaginable. 
Jairus does what nobody else would have done in his position. He leaves that home as a ruler of the synagogue. He goes to the place where Jesus is, and he begins to beg this man, come to his home. Can I pause just a moment? Right, everybody in the building, the death doesn't give a flying flip about your money. Sickness doesn't care one little bit about how much you have or don't have in your bank account. Tragedy doesn't care about your job. Tragedy doesn't care about your humility or lack thereof. Tragedy, death, they don't care about your power. They don't care about your prestige. They don't care about your popularity. I submit to you today that when death and tragedy come to our doorstep, we need some place we can go to get a little bit of help. The world falls apart. When death nail knocks upon our door, when the world seems to crash all around us, we need some place we can go to get a little bit of help. Notice not only his accomplishments, but his attitude. Verse 22 in my mind speaks volumes about this man. Notice what it says. Hold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, notice the next clause, fell at his feet. Like the woman sick with the issue of blood, somebody told her that there was help in the man Jesus. Maybe Jairus had heard Jesus teaching in the synagogue. Maybe he'd heard about what had just happened in Gadara. Maybe he'd heard about a leper that had been cleansed. Maybe he'd watched with his own eyes something that had happened. But somehow, someway, somewhere, somebody told Jairus that your daughter is sick, but there is still somebody who you haven't tried. Jairus, as a ruler, a local politician, if you will, someone of great prominence in the community does what only a father can understand or a mother can understand as this woman with the issue of blood is elbowing her way through the crowd. He is making his way through the crowd, perhaps the crowd parting to let him through. And the moment that he sees Jesus, he falls at his knees and says, God, help me. Help my daughter. May I submit to you this morning at this moment when Jesus, rather when Jairus needed him most, Jesus was passing by. Let me say that one more time because it's important. At the moment that Jairus needed him most, Jesus was passing by. Aren't you glad this morning that when you and I need him most, we don't have to look around and wonder where he is. When we need him most, thank God he still passes by. But you got to see this. Because Jairus was used to being listened to. Jairus was least used to being heard. Jairus was used to being in charge. Jairus was used to being in control. Jairus was used to people listening to him. But at this moment, he came down off of that perch of popularity, off of that perch of prominence, off of that perch of power, and he knelt at the feet of Jesus. I have to say it this morning, and I'll say it very simply. The greatest way up is down. The greatest power we have comes when we are the lowest. The greatest ability we have is when we fall at the feet of he who has all ability. 
Jairus displayed a great deal of masculinity, I believe, a great deal of leadership, a great deal of smarts and intelligence, but also a great deal of faith when at the very moment of his dire need, of his greatest need, he finds himself at the feet of Jesus. Do you listen to me very carefully this morning? When tragedy strikes your door, when the doctor report comes and it is not what you had anticipated, when the phone call comes from the relative and the world's falling apart, when the employer comes in with a pink slip and says, after 20 years, uh, your services are no longer needed, uh, when everything is falling apart, uh, you can phone a friend, uh, you can get on social media, you can do all of those things, but I submit to you, uh, you are never at your strongest and when you are on your knees in front of the one who's got the answer already figured out. Jairus, Jairus realizes, I got to get to Jesus. I got to get to Jesus. Number one, you see this morning the dialogue. Number two, I want you to notice with me the delay. The delay. Verse 24 says, Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Can I stop and Simply say this, I love the fact that whatever interests us, interests him. Whatever we're concerned about, he's also concerned about. Whatever worries us, he says, bring it to me. I submit to you this morning that because Jairus was worried about it, it became a matter of concern for Jesus. Jairus didn't have to beg. He didn't have to plead. I believe he said to Jairus, you lead the way. I'll follow you. Let's go see about this thing. And immediately, Jesus begins to walk with Jairus. I remind everybody in the building this morning, Jesus loves you. It's such a simple children's song. Because it is a children's song, I think we forget the beautiful meaning of it. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. You know, when you love somebody, what bothers you, what bothers them bothers you. When you love somebody... What concerns them concerns you. When you love someone, what's important to them is important to you. Two weeks ago, my wife rarely does this. She often will text me throughout the day if somebody from the church calls, if there's somebody in the hospital, if something's happened. She will text me throughout the day to let me know what's going on, to keep me up to speed. But rarely does she send me a text and say, honey, call me when you can. So when I saw that, I knew I got a call. So as soon as I had an opportunity, I called her and I said, Honey, what's wrong? I knew something had to be wrong because rarely does she do that. She said, Well, nothing's really wrong, but the Lord's laid something on my heart, and I need to know if it's okay with you. I said, Well, honey, what's wrong? She said, My brother Craig is heading out tonight down to Texas. He's going to drive 24 hours, drop a load of disaster relief off, I don't want to go by I don't want him to go by myself and the Lord really has laid up on my heart to go with me with, with him would you care if I went I said well honey of course not she said well before you answer that you need to know I'm not going to be back for Sunday 
I won't be here to play the piano. I won't be here for Sunday morning services. Probably won't make it back for Sunday night. And then she said, if you tell me not to go, I won't go. And I simply said, honey, is it important to you? She said, the Lord laid it on my heart. I said, well, honey, if it's important to you, it's important to me. If it matters to you, it matters to me. Why? Because my mama didn't raise no dummy. But may I say to you more importantly, I love her. And though uh, in my mind, uh, I might not understand, I surely did, uh, but though I might not have understood why it mattered, if it mattered to her, it mattered to me. uh, Because if you love somebody, what's important to them is important to you. So, when Jesus hears the longing of this man Jairus, 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 when he hears this dude, He listens to the plaintive plea of a father whose heart is broken. Jesus looks at him and says, lead the way. Following you. Not only do you see the interest of the Savior, but this I I have to tell you. Everything in this story, this is the one that blows my mind. There is at this moment an intrusion of sickness. We go from the interest of the Savior to what is a very clear and definitive delay. You know the story. You were here last week. You heard all about it. As they're walking, uh, this woman sick with the issue of blood, 12 years, makes her way out of her house, uh, crawls along through the crowd, uh, reaches out and touches Jesus. uh, And the moment that she touches him, he stops. Can I stop a moment and say, if I'm Jairus, uh, I'm looking at him saying, we ain't got time to talk. Uh, We ain't got time to stop. Uh, We don't have time for a delay. We need to keep moving. We need to keep moving. Let's go. My daughter's sick. Come on, let's go. But he never says a word. I can read the text, folks. He never says a thing. He doesn't say, Lord, hurry up. He doesn't say, we don't have time for a delay. He doesn't say, Lord, come on. He simply waits. May I submit to you, that is the faith that is the size of a big old mustard seed. What do you mean, preacher? You need to understand, folks, this delay quickly becomes tragedy. Because what is an intrusion of sickness quickly gives way to the invasion of sorrow. As you jump down to verse 35, while they're waiting, during the conversation that Jesus is having with this woman sick uh, for 12 years, there comes somebody uh, from his house uh, and with all the tact of a bull in a china shop, looks at this man and says, your daughter is dead. I'm going to say again, if I'm Jairus, I'm going to turn around and punch his ever-loving lights out. I mean, come on. Can't you have a little bit of tact? Can't you have a little bit of couth? Can't you have a little bit of dignity? He simply makes his way up to Jesus and says, your daughter is dead. Leave Jesus alone. I'm going to pause a moment and say, if I'm Jairus, after I've done punching this man's lights out, Back of my mind, I'm thinking if it hadn't been for that woman, we'd already be at the house. Don't look at me cross-eyed. You know you'd be the same way. I'm looking at the crowd thinking had it not been all for the crowd, had it not been for the delay, we'd already be there. My daughter's dead because of you. My daughter's dead because of this delay. This is your fault. Jesus does. 
very moment, this jerk, pardon my language, looks at Jairus and says, your daughter is dead. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I got it. Got it. I can paraphrase. Jesus says in this verse, don't, li- don't trust what you hear. Trust me. When he gets to the house and he hears uh, and he sees the daughter is dead, he says, don't trust your eyes. Trust me. Don't trust what you hear. Trust me. Don't trust what you know. Trust me. Don't trust what you hear. Trust me. Put all of your faith in me. I got this, Jesus says. So we go this morning from number one, the dialogue, to number two, the delay. The highlight of the story, I know you know it, but it deserves an awful lot of preaching, the deliverance. The deliverance. Verse number 36. Jesus makes an incredible exclamation. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the rule of the synagogue, Be not afraid. You know that Jairus' heart just collapsed. You know that the moment he heard his daughter was dead, his whole world crashed around him. You know that the moment he heard uh, that his precious 12-year-old daughter, the one he left at home, uh, you know the moment he heard that her life was over, that his entire world came crashing down. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Trust me. Trust me. So, what is an exclamation becomes an exclusion. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 37. He suffered no man to follow him. Remember, Jesus is thronged by people. Everywhere he goes, he's gained cult-like celebrity status. Everybody wants to be around Jesus. But he turns to everybody and says, you can't go in. Peter, James, and John, by the way, that was his inner circle. Uh, oftentimes when you would see Jesus alone, it would be Peter, James, and John with him. He would take this inner circle. He says, all right, you three, come with me. Come on, boys. And then he gets to the house. Gets to the house. Walks inside and he notices there's all kinds of tumult going around. There are people there who are wailing, understandably so. People there are mourning, understandably so. And he sends everybody out. He kicks everybody out of the house because Jesus understands that those who lack faith in him were going to be excluded from seeing the miracle that had just happened or getting ready to happen. Get up. Can I stop a second and say something to you this morning? Look at me and listen to me real carefully. I promise you, when you want something spectacular from God, I promise you, when the Lord is trying to do something unusual in your life, don't be surprised when there's an awful lot of people who say that can't happen. Don't be surprised when there are people even down at the church house who say, God, don't do that anymore. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your prayer. You're wasting your life. When you have been praying for a loved one for 15, 20 years, don't be surprised when people tell you it's over with, it's hopeless. May I submit to you, as long as Jesus is on the throne, your prayers and your miracle are not hopeless in his eyes. Notice the exclusion very quickly gives way to the exhibition. Verse 40. I stagger when I see this clause. They laughed him to scorn. Why would they laugh at him? Because in verse number 39, he asks a very important question. He says, why are you making all this racket? 
What you all in an uproar about? This girl ain't dead. She's just asleep. Laughed at. Laughed him to scorn. So you know what Jesus did? You, 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 and you, you're fired. Get out. Kicks every one of them out. The only ones, listen now, only ones who are allowed in to see the miracle are the ones who had faith in his ability to begin with. You need to sit right there and stew on that for just a second. The only ones who are allowed to witness firsthand, they're all going to see the end results. They're all going to see this girl when she gets up and Jesus says, go get her something to eat. They're all going to see her walk out of the room. But the only one who's allowed to witness firsthand the miraculous resurrection of this girl is those who understood faith to begin with. Jesus kicks them all out. Walks in. Jesus, Peter, James, John, Mama, Daddy, Daughter. How many's in the room, church? Seven. That's no accident. Seven are in the room. May I submit to you this morning that when life itself walks in, death has to flee. <laughs> So when the one who spoke the universe into the existence walks into you understand death ain't no big deal for him. And so he walks in, lays hands on her, uh, speaks and says, Arise, my damsel. Uh, and in a very split second, this little girl, uh, who had been dead undoubtedly for at least an hour, rises up, stretches, yawns, looks at mom and daddy, says, uh, Is there anything in the cupboard? I'm hungry. I can just imagine mom and daddy grabbing a hold of this precious little girl. I can imagine the shouting. I can imagine the celebration as she who was dead has sat back up. She who had no life is now life again. She who was cold to the touch has been resurrected and life is worth celebrating all over again. Now I have to pause a moment. And in fact, you may close your Bibles because you also understand that that's not the way every story ends. I don't need to tell you that I've been serving God for any long. He's still a miracle-working God. I don't need to tell you that he has the same power today that he had 2,000 years ago. I don't need to tell you that he still breathes resurrection. He still breathes life. He is still a miracle-working God. But I will tell you that he doesn't always answer that way obviously but here's what I have found out his delays his answers of a different sort inevitably mean he's got something to teach us or there's something else coming down the road that we don't yet understand I'll close this morning by giving you a very quick story that I think beautifully illustrates the fact that even when the prayers don't always get answered the way that we think they should, God's got another plan. 1885, 
A young man is born by the name of Luther Bridges. He would grow up to become a Methodist preacher. And by 1909, Luther Bridges was a very well-known regionally Methodist circuit-riding preacher, had married a young girl by the name of Sarah, and had given birth to three beautiful baby boys. He's a resident of southwest Virginia, Luther Bridges. He receives word that a group of pastors in Kentucky want him to come over as a circuit-riding Methodist preacher and preach a revival service for two weeks. This is America's frontier days, and so Luther Bridges accepts the invitation but realizes that he doesn't want to leave his young wife, who is 26 years of age, and his three sons by themselves. So he takes his young wife and three sons to her father's house, his father-in-law's, and he leaves them there for two weeks while he goes off to Kentucky to preach a two-week revival. God moves miraculously. Souls are saved. And on the last night of that revival, God does the unusual. Saloons get shut down. Folks' lives are changed. Homes get restored. And Luther Bridges is eminently ecstatic to go back home to southwest Virginia and tell his young wife and three sons what great and incredible things God did during the two weeks in Kentucky. As he comes down from the pulpit to end the service, Someone comes over from his left with a note. He takes the note, and as he sits down, he realizes that what has just been two weeks have given way to a catastrophe. Reads a statement that simply says, his father-in-law's home has been destroyed in a fire. His father-in-law, wife, and all three boys were killed. The moment, what was an incredible victory, becomes a horrendous crash. I think every one of us in the building would understand if Luther Bridges hangs up his Bible and says, I can't do this anymore. I think everyone in the building would understand if Luther Bridges said, my life is over, I can't move forward, I can't do this by myself, but wasn't that kind of man? Undoubtedly, understandably, he needed a break. He needed some time to mourn and grieve, not just his wife, but his entire family. During the ride home, the Lord begins to speak to his heart. Luther Bridges has never been a poet, never been a writer, never been a hymner. He's never done anything that you would think of as musically oriented, but the Lord begins to speak to his heart. Before he arrives back home, he's penned these words. Here's within my heart a melody. It says, whispers sweet and low. Not, I am with Be still. All of life's ebb and flow. Discord fill my life. Heart in pain. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across broken strings, stirred the slumbering 
again. Verse 3, we never sing, but listen. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep, trials fall across my way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, I see his footprints all the way. And the last verse says, soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky, I shall wing my flight. The world's unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know fills my every longing. Keeps me singing. Even when my heart's breaking. Keeps me singing even when my world's falling apart. Keeps me singing even when tragedy strikes. Keeps me singing as I stand there this morning. You see, folks, the supply for what we really need will only be found in Jesus. And I want to invite everyone in the room this morning to do exactly what Jairus did years ago. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this morning a simple question. Would you be very honest and say, Pastor Greg, there is a major need in my life. Spiritual need, financial need, social need, family need. There's something major to, that for which God's got to give the answer. Pray for me this morning. Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. I appreciate your honesty. You can put those down. Here's what I want to say to every one of you that just raised your hand. Why don't you come on and make your way to this altar right now? Don't worry about who's watching. Folks are moving all over the building. Who cares who's watching? Come on this morning. Come on, come on, come on this morning. But I want to ask a second question. I want to ask a second question. Is there anyone in the building that would just be honest and say, Pastor Greg, the need that I have is for salvation, and it is, in fact, the greatest need of all. I recognize this moment and this hour that I am not a child of God. I'm not a Christian. I'm not sure if I died today that heaven would be my home. But I sure do know I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me. There anyone like that? It would just be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I do know I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me. Thank you so much. I appreciate that honesty this morning. I appreciate your honest hand. Can I just stop very quickly and say, Jesus loves you. He died so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. He died to keep you out of a devil's hell. And I submit to you today, if you want to be saved, Jesus has never one time turned away anybody who came to him with an outstretched hand of faith. I want to implore you this morning to make that decision for him while he's calling you. If you raised your hand that you're in need of salvation, I implore you to step out right now. And let us take this Bible and show you how you can be on your way to heaven when you walk out of here. Would you come this morning? Brother Ken, you sing for us. To, if you raise your hand, would you come on? Let us take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Come on this morning. Don't wait. Come now, Brother Ken. Amen. Most gracious Lord. Though 
tender heart. Tender voice like thine can be so. I need thee, oh, I need thee. precious young girl who's come to be saved this morning. Sing us another verse. Brother Ken, sing now. I need thee every hour Stay, Stay thou nearby Temptations lose their power When thou I'll sing it if you know what with us this morning. We're sure not going to leave while somebody's doing business with God. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can be to see Michelle come forward this morning and accept Christ as her Savior. Amen. Don't forget our services tonight, 6 o'clock. The Roger Henson family will be with us. Uh, uh, the girls will be singing. You don't want to miss that. God will bless you for being here. Precious, precious, precious family. And boy, they've been through the ringer, and God is still blessing them. They're still sticking at it, so you come support them tonight. Drama team that are going to be in our Christmas production. Five minutes uh, right in the teen room this morning. Ken, you've got the mic. You dismiss us in prayer, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, God, we are thankful, Lord, for this day. God, how you spoke through our pastor this morning to our hearts. And Father, we thank you for the one, Lord, to come to know you as Christ to save you this morning. God, may you bless her for it. And Father, may we just watch her grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here. Father, we thank you for this great country that we live in. Lord, be with our military folks. God, as they protect us. God, just help us now as we go our separate ways. God, just uh, bring us back tonight looking for a good service. Bless the Henson family as they travel in. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen.